David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, everybody. 9.34 a.m., February the 13th, 2019. It's Wednesday, the day before Valentine's Day. If you forgot that tomorrow is Valentine's Day and you have a significant other, for the love of God, do not use the excuse of it's Hallmark that created this holiday so that they could sell cards and candy. Uh, That shit doesn't work. I've tried it. It may be true. Actually, I'm I'm pretty sure it is true. But yeah, um, guys, if your significant other is female... Wow. Yeah, that shit don't work. It it does not work. So don't try it. Don't don't use that as an excuse to get out of forgetting about it or that you didn't want to spend the money. Go get a Whitman sampler shaped in a heart. Go get a card. Take 15 minutes. Write something in the card that means something to your significant other or at least that means something to you. All right. Just, you know, just do it and be done with it. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, so today, there's not. I'm not going to read a lot of news. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting a perception this morning and late last night on Twitter that so, I don't know, man. I, I got the feels. There's no way else to put it, bro. I mean, it feels weird. Some I don't know why. Like I said, I don't know why. I can't put it into words. I can't articulate it because it's one of those gut feelings. But I don't know, man, some don't feel right. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that means that it's wrong or good or bad or indifferent. I, I, I don't know. It just, I got that gut feeling. I don't know if you know, if any of you guys know what that is. Um, I'm sure most of y'all do. If some of y'all don't, that gut feeling is that second brain that is in your intestines. And <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, There is almost as much neural mass in your small and large intestine as there is in your noggin. Chew on that for a little while. All right, so we'll uh, do morning roundup, which is going to get us kind of go through what's going on in the community on Twitter. Uh, Because that's where all the cool stuff's happening. It's always happening on Twitter, man. I haven't looked at, at any of the Reddit stuff in so long. I don't even... I can't... I really can't even remember when I seriously actively went to Reddit by not clicking in a link, right? You know, like I get a link on Twitter or something like that. And it's like, Oh God, it's taken me to the cesspool of our Bitcoin or God forbid the even deeper cesspool of our BTC. It's just, I still don't, I, I don't know, man. I still don't get the whole Reddit thing. Anyway, so we'll go through that. We'll do vital statistics. Marty Bent has a new one out. Um, we'll do daily train wrecked, which is a a good one. 
uh, terrible joke corner, and then we are going to get out. But first, we're going to talk about some permaculture stuff, man. Sorry, drinking some coffee. <clears throat> um, so as some of y'all may know, I'm reading Permaculture, a designer's manual by Bill Mollison, M-O-L-L-I-S-O-N, published first as a whole book in uh, 1988. Permaculture is a design principle was being worked on by Bill Mollison and his graduate student at the time, David Holmgren, who has passed away a couple of years ago. And they wrote a couple of books, but they were more like, I don't know, kind of like soft-shelled or, you know, soft-covered pamphlet kind of things. And then Bill Mollison in the, and they did that in the 70s. And then Bill Mollison just kind of like put it all together with a couple of other things. And then uh, in 1988, released Permaculture Designer's Manual. And I'm trying to link up some of the, uh, make comparisons of what's going on in Bitcoin with what, uh, with this design principle that's been in place, you know, since the late 70s. So, what is going on here is that last night um, I'm reading and I'm when I'm reading in this book, um, I'm trying to pull out the the pertinent, you know, the pertinent parts is how it relates to Bitcoin. And I came up with three pretty good ones. Um, this first one is um, is a like the way that I'll do this is like, especially when I see something that's really, really important, I'll just take a picture of it with my phone and then put it up to put it up to Twitter. So the one, the first one that I uh, did last night was a, this particular part of the text that says, what is perhaps of greatest importance and cannot be too highly stressed is the need to develop very compact systems. In the Philippines, people are encouraged to plant four square meters of vegetables, a tiny plot, And from this garden, they get 40 to 60% of their food. We can all make a very good four meter square garden. Where we may fail to do so in 40 square meters. Similarly, we plant and care for 10 critical trees for oil, citrus, nuts, storable fruit. We can take good care of these, whereas if we plant 100 or 1,000, we can lose up to 60% of the trees from lack of site preparation and care. Thus, 10 trees and in four square meters, well-protected, manured, and watered, will start the Zone 1 system. Starting with a nucleus and expanding outwards is the most successful morale-building an easily achieved way to proceed. Broad-scale systems have broad-scale losses and inefficiencies. Um, so where is that coming up with with Bitcoin? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot here. Um, for me, I look at it as the block size debate, which we're having another one now, except this time it's going the other direction. It's going smaller. Uh, Luke Dash Jr. has always. You know, and he's one of uh, he's one of the heavy hitters in in Bitcoin development, man. I mean, you know, like him, hate him, indifferent, it doesn't really matter, man. Luke's been around since before most of us, and um, has has made 
I don't know, lend, lended himself to uh, great things in, in Bitcoin from, from code standpoint, design standpoint, that kind of thing. Um, and he has for a long time, um, when actually when the first uh, block size debate was really on fire in 2016 and 2017 to go to two megabytes, four megabytes, you know, like a whole bunch of megabytes. Uh, Luke was the only one that was sitting there going, no, nah, dude, we should go the other way. We should go to 300 kilobytes per block. And he's got his reasons. Other people have their reasons for not agreeing with him. Other other people have their reasons for agreeing with him. I mean, it's the whole it's the whole thing all over again. We'll get into a little bit more of that later up in the stack. But for now, um, the zone. Not sorry that what this is talking about here is you know uh, people will you know want a vegetable garden and then they will go out. And they will either buy or rent a rototiller, and then they will go tear up like this a huge portion of their backyard, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like they've got like I don't know a hundred tomato plants and you know fifty chili plants and corn, which don't don't grow corn. It's such a water hog. In either event, it's this huge plot that they find themselves having to weed constantly because there's not enough plants in the damn thing to be able to uh, uh, shade out grasses and, and weeds and stuff like that. And it ends up being a headache. Whereas what he's talking about, the, these people in the Philippines being encouraged to start up, you know, four square meters, which is what like a 12 by 12 plot, like 12 foot by 12 foot small. And, but that you can plant so many plants in there that a, you don't really have to worry about weeding after the uh, canopy, the plants develop because the canopy shades the ground. So that takes care of one problem all by itself, just simply by the plants being there. And if you plant, if you plant the plants that you would actually eat, um, then you're going to get uh, a lot of food out of that little 12 by 12 plot. So our one megabyte and now with SegWit two megabyte blocks are fully capable of doing a whole bunch of stuff for us. And we haven't even kind of scratched the surface of what, you know, uh, two me one megabyte to two megabyte blocks can actually do after we get more and more technology piled in that compresses signature data and throughput data down to, you know, we, ne possibly next to nothing. Hell, it may be that we never ever have to worry about anything other than a two megabyte block. I don't know. Nobody really does. Anybody who says different, I don't, I really don't think that they're doing anything but pushing their own narrative in either event. We don't know. However, one of the design principles of permaculture is, do you, are you really thinking the way that you need to be thinking when you go broad scale and broad scale in this is like, instead of a four by four, four meter by four meter plot of garden, you decide to just take your whole freaking backyard and turn it into a vegetable garden. Did you do the four meter by four meter first and figure out how to do all this crap? Or did you just say, decide to blow it out and just go whole hog and get, you know, I don't know, like start 10,000 seeds and do all this work only to figure out that you didn't have adequate irrigation set up and have watch it all freaking die. 
in my view, broad scale is sort of like the whole 132 megabyte or 128 megabyte size. And then there's whoever that one, I can't remember which one of the uh, B cash camps wants to go to unlimited block size. It's just, you know, it's like, wow. And in this, it tells us right up here, broad scale systems have broad scale losses and inefficiencies. This is a, this is a design thing that, that overarches. It doesn't, it's not just for growing and living ecosystems. This particular type of design is more of a holistic design thing. And holistic design is used in everywhere from, uh, code development, you know, program, you know, uh, uh, program development, uh, management, all kinds of stuff. Holistic management is, is, is really cool. It's a, it, there's certificate programs in there. And <clears throat> so I guess what I'm saying is that we really do need to think about, is there a reason to go bigger? And I, right now, you know, I mean, even back then when the fees were 70 bucks, um, was that really, was that really organic or was that somebody just loading up the blockchain with a whole bunch of garbage? Cause we don't see it now. We haven't seen fees that high since December of 2017, right? It's, it hasn't, it, we haven't had problems. So anyway, that's, that's that one. The second one from Bill Mollison's, uh, permaculture book is, uh, a quote that says the success of any design comes down to how it is accepted and implemented by the people on the ground. And this factor alone explains why grand centralized schemes more often result in ruins and monuments than in stable occupied and well-maintained ecologies. What does that sound like to you guys? It sounds like Bitcoin is what it sounds like. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's not centralized. And the, the BSV crowd and, and Rogers, you know, Rogers crowd is just screaming about these monumental things. And I like how Bill talks about it. Result in ruins and monuments. So those things that are not laid waste are just these things that stand out there going, hey, look what we did about 10 years ago that nobody comes to and pigeons just crap all over. That's how I see BSV and, and BAB, which at BAB is Bitcoin ABC, which is what BCH turned into Bitcoin ABC and BSV, the Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, the Craig Wright guys. And we'll have some news about Craig Wright here in a second because he's he's done it again. Um, in either event, I really like that. The design comes down to how it's accepted and implemented. And we've seen the acceptance and implementation of Bitcoin. We, we know that it's not centralized and that every time somebody has a grand centralized schema that they want to unload on us, it's an allergic reaction that the body of Bitcoin has immediately throws up an, uh, an immune response. And the next thing you know, the whole thing is taken down, cut down to its knees, just like S2X was. Uh, if you don't remember S2X, it was Segwit2X. So you can Google that and you will find your history of S2X. 
So the last one is uh, from the, the Mollison book is I think the most important because it's a summary of um, of design as far as permaculture is concerned. So definition of permaculture design. Permaculture design is a system of assembling conceptual, material, and strategic components in a pattern which functions to benefit life in all its forms. It seeks to provide a sustainable and secure place for living things on this earth. Functional design. Every component of a design should function in many ways. Every essential function should be supported by many components. Principle of self-regulation. The purpose of a functional and self-regulating design is to place elements or components in such a way that each serves the needs and accepts the products of other elements. Now that's a good one, man. I mean, these are, yeah, th- th- this stuff is gold and we're just now kind of discovering the whole Bill Mollison, you know, Bill Mollison thing in the wider, in the wider world, this is starting to come out. Um, it, nobody really knew what the hell permaculture was for years. I mean, and it, it didn't, I don't think it hit the Western hemisphere until like the late nineties. And even then it was a very, very, you know, small handful of hippies running around, you know, talking about permaculture, but you know, it just, it, it, it's not, it wasn't getting into the wider world. And now it is because the design principles can be applied to damn near anything, how you do your finances, how you build FinTech, how you make a garden, how you run a household, how you look at your uh, stored food. If you, if you do that kind of thing, all this stuff, you can, you can pull all what you need to pull and apply to any part of your life almost out of looking at, permaculture design principles because those the design principles whether you're looking at agriculture or something else are really good principles like that said a system of assembling conceptual material and strategic components well what is that well that's the assemblage of bitcoin timestamps proof of work a couple of other things were cobbled together i i, I saw i saw the a word yes not yesterday a few days ago that I thought was just funny as hell. It was a it was a one word description of Bitcoin, Frankentech, and in a way, it's not wrong, because you know the you know, Satoshi or you know Mr. Nakamoto or however you want to you know refer to the guy, or the or the team or whoever the hell did this thing, the aliens from freaking outer space, they that's what they did. All the tech for Bitcoin was all had already not only been invented coded and implemented, but it was out there working in the wild. As far as how widely accepted these things were is another story. However, the tech was already done. All this guy did is say, is sort of do what permaculture design does. Assembled conceptual material and strategic components in a pattern which functions to benefit life in all its forms. That is exactly the definition of Bitcoin or a functional definition of what Bitcoin is. It's not the definition. Everybody's got their own definition and that's that totally cool. But for me, I'm looking at this, at this sentence and I'm like going, holy crap. Bill Mollison's talking about making trees that drop fruit, that rot in the ground, that feed other plants that need that 
<clears throat> that mass to be able to to spread their seeds so that those plants can function in another way. And it, it's like a, 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 a domino fractal effect. It just spreads. But the same system is implemented over and over and over and over and over again, or at least the, the, the principles are carried with it into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller ways until, I mean, because one of the guiding principles of, of permaculture is no waste. Is there, if there is a way to have one system eat the crap of another system and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, by the time it gets to the end, the original pile of crap that needed to be gotten rid of is gone. And I don't know, man, there's just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a way of looking at Bitcoin that I think is kind of important because being able to look at anything that you think is important in a different way through a different set of lenses, I think is, is, can illuminate what you already love and make you, and even though you see it in a different light is still really, really valid. You know, I like the, the whole, every component of a design should function in many ways. I mean, how many, you know, like for instance, every component of a design should function in many ways. Every essential function should be supported by many components. Okay. The essential function here is what block, pro, you know, block propagation and mining a block everything about, about a, a transaction, all these things. Well, we're, we're seeing that you know, we got lightning and it supports an essential function of getting Bitcoin to me then I can make the decision as to whether or not I want to settle that into the main chain of Bitcoin and take the fee. Because as long as I'm accepting Bitcoin on Lightning, I'm not really paying that much fees. Not yet anyway. Now, remember, when Bitcoin first happened, there was damn near no fees. And it was, I mean, you were, it was fundamentally known that if you made a transaction within some 10 minute segment, you were probably going to be in the very next block. And actually you were going to be in the very next block. And that was that way until everybody got, you know, went whoop de doo we're all going to, we're all going to screw the banks and we're all going to live, you know, live happy, long, fulfilling lives. <laughs> so be, be aware this, this could be a fractal. Whereas, Bitcoin saw, you know, fees rise. We may see fees rise on the Lightning Network. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And anybody who tells you different is either lying or they don't know what they're talking about. There's no way we can know what the future holds. That would mean that we're looking into a crystal ball and we're, and we're right about our interpretation of what we see in the cloud of the crystal and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, th th that is going to do it for today's per dose of permaculture Let's go ahead and get into the stack. All right. Your morning roundup starts off with Ripple. Yeah, let's get, let's get the garbage. Let's take the garbage out first. Uh, the blockcrypto.com has this story. Ripple. The firm behind cryptocurrency XRP eliminates Corey Johnson's role at the firm. Corey Johnson, the Bloomberg television anchor turned crypto marketer, is no longer with Ripple, a company spokesperson confirmed. Johnson, who joined Ripple in 2018, ooh, God, short stint, bro, as its chief marketing strategist, has been scrubbed from the company's leadership page. 
Quote, Corey's last year at Ripple was a success in representing the company to investors, press, and regulators, a spokesperson said. Continuing, Corey helped Ripple with strategy internally and overall industry education. But due to changes in market conditions, we've chosen to eliminate the role of chief market strategist. End quote. His much-ballyhooed hire included a profile in CNBC, which outlined his role as an evangelist for the firm known for its business lines and remittances and international payments. Johnson, whose career at Bloomberg spanned eight years, was unsurprisingly a vocal defender of Ripple's view of its relationship to cryptocurrency XRP. Ripple defends that XRP is mostly independent of the firm. The connection between the two has been nothing if not controversial, with some in the crypto world arguing that the coin is a security and that Ripple is an issuer. Ripple Labs, a precursor to Ripple, invented XRP, some say. Ripple claims they didn't, but were involved in its earliest days. Jesus, God, what a freaking mire. Part of Johnson's job was to make the relationship between Ripple and XRP less confusing. Quote, the role of Ripple as a company and XRP as a currency in financial markets to regulators, financial institutions, and investors could use more explaining. Johnson told CNBC at the time of its hire, or sorry, Johnson told CNBC at the time of his hire, quote, I'm going to try to explain, listen, and set strategies to make it easy for Wall Street and the world of finance to understand what we're doing. Yeah, good good luck, man. <laughs> good luck. That I mean, because the whole Ripple XRP Ripple Labs, it's ob to me, it's obfuscation. It's a smokescreen so that nobody can ever get a clear handle on what the hell's going on with Ripple XRP or Ripple Labs or any of the people behind it. It's a scam. I'm sorry, but it's just it. everything about this thing just tells me to stay as far away as I can stay from it because there's no clear definition of what any of this crap is, and they've had years to be able to define it. It's not that hard to define it. It is hard to define it when you are purposely misdefining it in order to obfuscate the truth. That's what's going on here. Ripple is crap. Anybody who buys it deserves whatever it is that they get because it's not going to be riches. Up into the stack, Mike Dudas at M Dudas D. <coughs> sorry, M D U D A S. Uh, this is an incredibly impressive raise by Morgan Creek Digital in a challenging market. A Pompliano, J Williams F. STMED and Mark Yusko landed public pensions, a university endowment, a hospital system, an insurance company, and a private foundation. Massive. More from the Block Crypto. Really, I really like the Block Crypto. This is, I really like how these guys are, are reporting on this stuff. Okay, so <clears throat> this is by Frank Shaparo. Uh, you have probably seen him. I think his uh, Twitter handle is at Fintech Frank. Morgan Creek Digital raises over $40 million for a venture capital fund. Morgan Creek Digital, an asset management firm founded by Mark Yusko, Jason Williams, and Anthony Pompliano, announced Tuesday that it successfully raised more than $40 million 
for a venture capital fund that invests across the blockchain and digital assets industry. According to Pompliano, a former Facebook product manager, the fund originally targeted a raise of $25 million, but he said the deal was oversubscribed by institutional investors. The fund is anchored by two public pensions and several other institutions invested, <clears throat> including a university endowment, a hospital system, an insurance company, and a private foundation. Morgan Creek Digital is a unit of North Carolina-based Morgan Creek, a hedge fund. The fund will primarily make equity-based investments in seed stage companies active in the blockchain space, but it will also invest in security tokens and cryptocurrencies. Morgan Creek has previously invested in such firms as Bact, Harbor, and Coinbase. Catherine Molnar, chief investment officer of Fairfax County Police Officers Retirement System, an investor in the new fund, said that it is important to be opportunistic and is excited to participate in the blockchain industry due to the attractive asymmetric return profile that it represents. Sometimes. The two pension funds that invested in Morgan Creek's fund both manage more than $5 billion in assets under management, which means that an investment in Morgan Creek's new fund represents a tiny position for them. Pompliano told Coindesk that as far as he knows, no other blockchain-oriented fund has raised money from a public pension. Jason Williams said that he thinks, quote, many of the largest, most valuable companies of tomorrow will be built using blockchain technology. So there we go. There's still a whole bunch of uh, blockchain. And in this case, it's, you know, these guys are cool with Bitcoin. They're not saying blockchain, not it's blockchain, not Bitcoin. But still, I I just keep getting rankled every time somebody says the blockchain. Oh, well, you'll just put it on the blockchain. Yeah, which blockchain? And, it, and, and when you point to which one, is it actually a blockchain? Ripple's not a blockchain. I mean... Ugh. It's it's enough to <clears throat> it's enough to drive one crazy, quite frankly. So uh okay. <laughs> Speaking of driving you crazy, Craig Wright's at it again, y'all. That's right. Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto, man. We all know it. He's told us three times. This is gonna be I think this is gonna be his third full <clears throat> third full on I am Satoshi Nakamoto thing. So what am I talking about? Well, he's releasing these documents that suggest, this is, I think, last week or, or very, very early this week, released some documents that were, as far as anybody can tell, um, not forged. That's not really the, the word we're looking for, plagiarized. Um and it, it's a it's a weird story, but apparently he put out a version of the white paper that said was written way before the white paper from Satoshi Nakamoto was actually released, um, <clears throat> and um, and then another, he released another version of it, a couple like a, either a few hours or a day later, something like that, that was more representative of the actual released uh, white paper from uh, 2008. But the more and more people looked at it, the more and more people came to the same conclusion, and they did so very rapidly, that uh, these are plagiarized documents and that there's no, um, <laughs> there's, there's no there there. 
So who, who's bringing this to us? <clears throat> well, we've known about this for a couple of days, but what was funny is that WikiLeaks pointed their finger directly at Craig Wright, called him a fraud. That's like, right, WikiLeaks. Okay, now we can say what we want about WikiLeaks. Okay, there's all kinds of weird stuff revolving around what WikiLeaks really is and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't care. What I do care about is that WikiLeaks, just their Twitter account alone, is followed by 5 million people. So for to 5 million people, they say, serial fabricator who claims to be an inventor of Bitcoin, Craig S. Wright, now claims that Bitcoin was always pro-state and that he always worked for the prosecution as he tries to raise money for a business project and escape court action. Now, they've linked to this really weird thing that Craig Wright wrote on Medium and released it on February the 8th, entitled Careful What You Wish For. And he goes into such musings as, in 2016, I was dressed in a turtleneck. And I moved to the UK in October 2015. And um, just it's like this, it's just weird. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe, Wiki, maybe WikiLeaks came back and, I don't know, retaliated against him because in here he says, I do not like WikiLeaks and I have never been a fan of Assange's methods blah, blah, blah. And it just goes into weirdness. And if you want to read it, again, all this stuff is in my curated Twitter timeline. You can go click on on the uh, uh, the actual WikiLeaks tweet for this that has a link to the, ra- the nonsensical ravings of Craig's lunatic mind on Medium. But they follow up that tweet with another one that says, Craig S. Wright is a proven serial forger of documents claiming that he is the inventor of Bitcoin. He has been repeatedly caught. This has been independently verified by WikiLeaks at the time of his first claim and subsequently. So there you go. WikiLeaks is now point, uh, is now telling their 5 million Twitter followers that Craig Wright is a fraud. So if you're holding the bag of BSV, sorry for you. I mean, this may not do a damn thing, but the guy's a fraud. He's a, he's been a fraud. He's a fraud. Now he will be a fraud. Everything he's ever done shows nothing but fraudulent behavior. I'm, I don't know what else to say about it. So I'm not, um, we're going to go on to war. <laughs> Continuing with the BSV narrative, but we're not going to be talking about Craig. Uh, well, we will, but it's not about his forgery or his, um, his serial fraudulent, uh, maniacal ravings that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. We have Alex Agate at A-P-A-G-U-T, making a tweet that says, this is full-on war. I'm on the BCH side for many reasons, but I see too much foolishness on our side underestimating the potential of Lightning Network over BTC. We have less than three years to position ourselves as the leading player in people's minds. Many things to do. Three years. I wonder how I came up with that calculation. 
In either event, what's weird about this is that he gives the coin, the, um, oh, the cash tag BCH. There's a couple things that are weird about this. One, you know, he's referring to Bitcoin cash and BCH, you know, uh, Rogers group, uh, Bitcoin cash does retain on, uh, I think it's at, at least a couple, if not three major exchanges have been, was able to retain the BCH ticker symbol. So in many people's minds, Bcash still exists, but it doesn't, it's actually BABC. And all, all the other exchanges have picked it up as BAB is the ticker symbol. So there's a, that's a hell of a marketing stunt for you right there. Confuse people as to what your brand name really is. That, that always works. <clears throat> anyway, so, but the second thing that's really odd about this is that if you look at this dude's account, uh, he's for BSV. That's evident in his Twitter profile. And it's also evident in many of the things that he tweets. Um, he believes that, that, Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto, or at least that's what it seems like. And he certainly is a believer that that BSV is what it says it is. And it's Satoshi's original vision and all the BS that goes along with, with that clown car. Um, so why is he given the cash tag of BCH and saying he's on the BCH side? You know, that's, that's really weird. Anyway, the other thing that this brings to light is that the whole lightning torch that Hodelnot uh, released out into the wild uh, really t has really touched some nerves. It looks to me like it's made a whole bunch of people uh, start running around like chickens, uh, like there's a fox in the hen house or, or some such. In either event, we'll just have to see how it goes, but they have apparently, according to Alex, they have three years to get this fixed up. Like I said, I have zero idea what he's talking about there. Um, but, you know, my uh, response to this is why does it always eventually come down to a descriptor of destruction? And this is the greatest invention to be given humans since the discovery of the replication of fire. And in 10 years, it's war. Do we really, really have time for this nonsense? There is a lot to do, and the clock is ticking. So let's get up into the stack. Uh, BTC Pay Server says, <clears throat> when we launched BTC Pay Video crowdfunding, we thought that big business would quickly jump and donate to get featured in the video. Instead, many individuals, small merchants, and biz using BTC Pay saved us. We reached a 0 0.75 BTC and 152.4% of the soft cap goal. Thank you, community. They go on in another tweet. Special thanks today goes to BTC Beans for helping us get to that second goal. If someone still wants, <clears throat> I'm sorry, if someone still wants, you can support the campaign and then they give uh, the btcpay.pslightning.com uh, site that you can go help them out. So that's pretty cool. Um, it, it's cool in one regard. It's kind of not cool in the other regard. I don't like it when people just assume that businesses are going to jump on the Bitcoin craze when you've released, you know, some product that you know, helps the ecosystem. BTC pay server definitely helps the ecosystem. It is an, I, I really do like it. I know a lot of people are kind of pissed because they're accepting other coinages. I don't really care because 
it's not going to hurt Bitcoin. It's just not. In either event, um, I, I don't like it that people just make this assumption that, you know, oh, we've got this product. Surely all these businesses are going to love us. We've seen that that attitude fail so many times in this space over the last three years that or four years that I've been in the space that I can't even shake a stick at it. What I can shake a stick at is the amount is, is the uh, why is there such an amount of people that refuse to understand that w- these are early days, like Vortex says, man, these are really early days, people. And we can't just think that because we build X that the entire rest of the alphabet is going to beat, you know, a trail to our door to buy our new mousetrap. Be, care- be careful how you assume things in this space and do yourself a favor. Um, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Okay, this one I'm really excited about. Novak is at it again in his his, you know, his radio machinations here. <clears throat> okay, so Novak, Rodolfo Novak, otherwise known as the dude that made Open Dime and Cold Card Wallets, is he's a radio, he's like a radio head. And I ain't talking about the band. Um, like ham radio, shortwave radio, um, sort of seems to sort of be his hobby. And um, I've talked to him a couple of times about this over Twitter, um, sending... Um, sending payments, uh, Bitcoin payments. And now I'm hoping, you know, hoping, hoping that lightning payments will soon, will soon follow over radio, you know, like this, this old fashioned tech that we've got and that we've had for years and years and years. Um, well, this is a tweet storm. <laughs> it's, it's small, but, uh, Novak is trying to send a, uh, send Bitcoin over Radio. So here's let's just let's go through what he says. Second attempt today through the snowstorm, sending free Bitcoin over JS8 call 7.077 megahertz to RX receive. <clears throat> you don't need a ham license in most countries. Get your SDR connected to JS8 call. That's the JS8 call. It's at JS8 call on Twitter, and a seven megahertz. 40 meter antenna for experimental non-commercial purposes is in parentheses. And second tweet, bam, Bitcoin sent over 7.77 megahertz via JS eight call to at Samuel Pat sweep. And then he gives a blockchain uh, or a block explorer address. Then goes Toronto, Canada to Michigan, USA, 40 Watts through a snowstorm. And then he says, because it's a brain wallet made ahead of time with bare PK, I don't require internet to broadcast this transaction at the time I'm sending. So he did this completely outside the internet. He also did it completely outside of Blockstream's Blocksat stuff. Uh, This is completely over radio. So now this is the third method of sending a Bitcoin transaction. We have three. Remember where I was talking about the, the whole permaculture thing? You need to have multiple systems supporting a thing. This is the third system to support transactions. Wow, man. Freaking awesome. So, okay. He goes on. Brain wallets are not very safe unless you are very careful in construction. But in a pinch to get BTC across offline, this is pretty amazing. 
I should add that in most countries, encrypted communications is not permitted over amateur radio unless the cipher is public. This is one of the reasons why I chose to make a brain wallet and use the salt. Wow. Use the salt as the cipher and transmit that over ham too. A great thing about at JS8 call, it is designed for QRP, uh, parentheses, low power transaction, Read more, read more here, js8call.com. More importantly, the developers of that program made sure to let us customize the notification when it hits my call. Therefore, ICQ, uh-oh. Some of this stuff is like total like radio nerd head like lingo. So if you're having trouble understanding it, I kind of am too. The gist is he sent Bitcoin over a freaking radio, okay? That's important. That cannot, that cannot just go un- under, not understood. It didn't go by satellite, by Blockstream satellite. He didn't have it on an internet connection. He sent a Bitcoin transaction over the freaking radio. Now, at one point or another, that transaction is going to have to be put onto the blockchain so that it can be included in a block and then mined, and then after six blocks, it's six blocks deep in the chain, so it's probably never never going to you know, be undone. But just getting somebody Bitcoin is, is sort of part of the transaction. And then once that transaction, that, that part of the transaction is received, the rest of the transaction is made by getting it on the blockchain. But for now... I can send somebody Bitcoin over the freaking curvature of the earth. And it's up to them to actually put it on the blockchain. In either event, I, I just think it's freaking cool. Fun fact, Escobar was found by triangulating his radio transmissions he was using to talk to his wife. He's talking about Pablo Escobar, who apparently uh, got convicted yesterday in court and uh, Somebody said he looked scared. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he looked scared. He's going to go to a freaking federal penitentiary with people who hate him, who want him dead. You think he was? You think he was pissing off just lawyers and prosecutors? Hell no, man. He was killing the families of all the other drug families. And guess who else is in freaking jail? Of course, he's scared. If they don't keep him in solitary confinement, I give Pablo Escobar. A week, a week and a half at the outside before he's either found dead or parts of his body are pulled out of the sewer system after being flushed down the toilet. Right? So that that's it. And it, again, getting back to the real fun part of this, <clears throat> this is what I've been talking about for two years. Radio is going to be part of the Bitcoin network. It has to be. By just design principles and permaculture, if we if we just look at the design principles of permaculture alone, yeah, here it is. Functional design. Every component of a system should function in many ways. Every essential function should be supported by many components. Essential function: transmitting you Bitcoin. Many components: internet, satellite. And now radio. And the fourth, which is a a mishmash of internet and radio, is mesh network. So you're talking about uh, Gotenna at that point. So let's say we have 3.5 ways to send Bitcoin at this point. I think that that's cool. All right. Uh, 
Crypto Christopher Walken uh, brings to light that Navy Federal Bank is having problems. He says, another bank having issues. Go figure. Let me check on the Bitcoin network. Yep, still up. And so he's retweeting uh, from Navy Federal. We are currently experiencing an outage on our mobile app and online. We apologize for the inconvenience. We're working on this to get everything up and running ASAP. Oh, let's just look at, let's see, let's see what, let's read a couple of the replies. Uh, Lee Burnett says, absolutely ridiculous. It's not just your app and online. The bank told me every system is down at every branch. Whoa. Can't pick up my auto loan check to go get my new car because of it. Holy crap. So this is like, this is almost a, a complete mirror image of the Wells Fargo outage where Wells Fargo said that it was online and and their mobile app was down, but other people were saying, no, 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 I'm walking into freaking branches and looking at 12 to 15 people standing around like deer cotton headlights. I reported on that on Monday. It was it was either Monday or Friday. I can't remember which. So this is the exact same thing. They're saying that it's online and mobile, but um, their bank branch is having problems. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, o, o Trader 313 says, so are the accounts locked again? Navy Federal replies directly, hello, we are aware of the issue with our app and online banking and working to restore service as quickly as possible. DK. Wow, man, that's just bad. These guys, not financial advice, buy Bitcoin. Uh, Justin Moon got booted. Uh, at underscore Justin Moon underscore got booted off of Twitter for a little while. He's back. Everybody calm down. But remember what I was saying? He was, like I said, either Monday, was it Monday? Uh, I can't find it. I think it very well may have been, may have been Friday. Um, in either event, uh, Justin Moon writes, I am back from my Twitter suspension at HODL8333. I want to deeply apologize for suggesting you learn to code in a thread about learning to code. (laughs) So yeah, if you don't remember, um, that was a back and forth exchange between, um, HODL 8333 and Justin Moon. And, um, Justin was gonna, he was, uh, thinking about making a class, you know, to learn, you know, learning to code class and charging 2000 and Hodel says, well, man, $12,000 for a couple of weeks worth. That's the kind of job I wish I had. And Justin Moon comes back and tells him to learn to code. Uh, it was a great exchange, but apparently Justin Moon really did get booted. Now, Hodel 8333 says, and I 100% believe him that he did not flag that. This is akin, when we're telling each other in this space to learn to code, at this point, it's already like saying GFY. If you don't know what GFY means, just type it into Google and look at Urban Dictionary and you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, anybody else that you don't know would take it as a deep, a deep insult. But if I were to tell somebody on Twitter GFY, chances are good they're going to laugh because they know that it's a term of endearment. So at this point, learn to code has already become a term of endearment to all the people that are inside this world, which I think is great. Um, 
taking something that somebody is deeply offended by and turning it into something that is a term of endearment is a way to pull the teeth out of the stupid idiotic monsters that continuously pound their tails and gnash their freaking teeth like dinosaurs while we're all trying to just live our regular lives and they're just making it stupid. So the last one is a guy named, uh, it's G E O F F. Most people pronounce it Jeff. I've heard it pronounced Geoff. I've also heard it pronounced Goff. I don't know how he pronounces his name. I'm going with Jeff. Uh, he's having some serious issues on Twitter having a bunch of unverified account, not just unverified, but like bot accounts, uh, filling up his notifications. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, and he's in this fight with at Y O Y O E L, uh, who is, uh, works for Twitter is like their guy, the guy, the guy that you would go to, to say, Hey, these are bot accounts and you need to, you know, fix this kind of crap. And apparently he's just not doing it. Cause this poor dude, <laughs> gets he's saying that he gets like 2000 uh notifications on a tweet after like a few minutes of him tweeting out damn near anything and they're almost all all in farsi the the, the you know like air you know arabic the, that the middle eastern the middle eastern block you see the 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 weird little characters pretty sure it's called Farsi in either event. He just gets like thousands, hundreds and thousands of these notifications of people replying to tweets and in, in like with Iranian flags in them and all, all kinds of stuff. And the reason I bring it up is that I had written him, um, cause he was talking about it. That, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey had some kind of weird sit down with a, a woman named Kara. I don't really want to, that thing, whole thing is really boring, but he was one of the people asking Jack, dude, why, why can't you fix this? You know, I, it's like, uh, I'm getting threats. I'm getting this, I'm getting that, you know, like my, my notifications are just jam packed all the time. I can't, I can't sort out what's, you know, important notifications versus a bunch of bots, like just slamming my account. And of course he never gets answered. I wrote him back on, on that particular tweet while I was asking why I can't get anything fixed. And I said, I asked him, what did, what did you do to have this kind of thing happen? Shit you not. I started getting some Farsi tweets into my directly to that tweet that I tweeted Jeff. It was almost immediate. Okay, so whatever this is, I'm not replying to any of those tweets at all, and it seems to have died down. So... um yeah, Jeff, my heart goes out to you, dude. All I did was reply to you and I started getting this crap. So talk about a hot potato. Anyway, so that that is going to do it for your morning roundup. All right, your vital statistics is brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. And let's just get through this real quick. Bitcoin has an average of 3,596 with a high at Bitfinex of 3,660. And it looks like the low is going to be over at, uh, at uh, GDAX at 3,570. 300,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. 
13,000 transactions per hour. 3.6 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. Um, let's see. The median transaction or average transaction value. Wow. is way up 11.47 BTC. And the median transaction value is way up at 0.08 BTC or right around 300 bucks USD. Um, block time is 10 minutes, 45 seconds, because we have lost almost 10% of hash rate in the last 24 hours. It's sitting at 38.7 exahashes per hour, or I'm sorry, exahashes per second. Uh, looks like 0.28 BTC are being gathered per block in fees. And the total fees collected over the last 24 hours is 37.54 BTC. Last GitHub commit to Bitcoin was done uh, today, the 13th of February. Ethereum is sitting at 121.77. Litecoin is at 41.25. Bcash is at 121.19. BSV is at 64.32. Ethereum Classic is at $4. And Dogecoin is still holding at 0.0019. It has 27,000 transactions over the last 24 hours and is smoking both Bcash and BSV put together yet again. And that's going to do it for your vital statistics. All right, this is going to be Marty's Bent for Tuesday, February the 12th, 2019, issue number 419, Cash is Privacy is Essential. And he's got a couple of excerpts here from a report. Privacy's fundamental relationship to human dignity must be emphasized. Samuel Warren and Lewis Brandy's foundational article, The Right to Privacy, not only noted the physical and pecuniary harms dealt by privacy violations, but also spiritual wrongs injuries to estimates of ourselves, assaults upon our own feelings, and blows to our inviolate personality, that is, our human dignity, to which the authors directly refer in their conclusion. We do not desire privacy merely for its beneficial effects. The dignity affords, the dignity it affords is a fundamental part of being human. Second excerpt, peer-to-peer electronic cash is at most 10 years old. Before that, all online transactions were necessarily intermediated. This means that there was a period of decades in which digital transactions were synonymous with intermediated transactions because there simply was no alternative. As a result, it may be that individuals, firms, and governments have come to see electronic transactions as inherently traceable and censorable. But there is nothing natural or fixed about such a state of the world. There is no reason it has to be that way. Indeed, it may have own, may it may have been only a matter of time for individuals who value the capabilities that physical cash technology afford would successfully replicate it digitally. Those who build the technology and advocate for its use today share with the German people an understanding of the fragility of liberty and how technologies of individual empowerment are essential to retaining an open society. So Marty's bent on this is... I finally found the time to sit down and read through the report, The Case for Electronic Cash, Why Private Peer-to-Peer Payments Are Essential for an Open Society, which was released last week by Jerry Brito and the team at Coin Center. I highly recommend you check it out if you have a chance 
<clears throat> at some time this week as Jerry does an incredible job of lucidly explaining why privacy and in turn peer-to-peer cash is an integral part of freedom, liberty, and human dignity. This is an extremely important topic in today's globally connected world because it seems <clears throat> that we are bifurcating into two types of societies. Those dead set on abandoning cash so they can surveil, rate, and tax at will, and those who understand the importance of privacy and its essential role in enabling humans to practice free speech. Though it seems as if those at the helm of the global banking system would love for the world to coalesce on the dystopian future coming to fruition in countries like China, top economists like Ken Rogoff are openly campaigning to abolish cash so the global citizenry can be taxed and surveilled without any obstacles or recourse. As Jerry points out in his report, it is imperative that we remain vigilant against the never-ending pressure from the elite gatekeepers that run today's financial infrastructure who would love to insert themselves in every transaction, take a cut, and sell that data to fiending markets looking to target certain consumers. Especially considering that we have done ourselves a massive disservice by becoming totally accustomed to surveilled online shopping, which was impossible to, to avoid until the digital bearer asset that is Bitcoin arrived on the scene. We have an uphill battle to fight in regards to re-educating people why cash is important and how Bitcoin will act as digital cash as we forge ahead into the information age. We have been given a very rare chance to correct the inherently flawed design of the first iteration of the internet wrought with e-commerce that requires a third party to transact. If we continue down this path, it is not hard to see how the world turns into a giant surveillance state. Luckily, Bitcoin has provided optionality, which did not previously exist. We now have a tool to use in the war against a potential Orwellian dystopia, Let's not let this opportunity slip through our fingers. Go out into the world and share this Coin Center report with anyone you can. We'll all be better off for it. Final thought. Very happy we don't have to worry about fire ants here in the Northeast. You bet you, you bet your ass. Those things are, they're all over Texas, Oklahoma, especially like Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, you get into New Mexico, it lightens up. I, I've never really seen them in, in Colorado. But yeah, East Texas, Central Texas, all the way like north to uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, Oklahoma City, you know, again, all, all the way over through Arkansas, back down to Louisiana, probably Florida. And they get on you and they will tear your ass up. So that's going to do it for Marty's bed for the day. All right, it's going to be a torchlight for today. Um, try to move through this a little fast because I am running long. Didn't realize I was running this long. Okay, so Hodel Knot's got a tweet out there. Uh, let's get the LN Trust chain to a, at Alina Satoshi at Justin Suntron. What's going on? Justin's been sitting on the torch. I think if he hasn't passed it by now, he will have been sitting on it for well over 24 hours. Everybody is screaming for Justin to stop using the uh, holding of the torch for his own ends, which he seems to be doing. None of us are surprised. Um, so hopefully uh, Justin's son will um, get <clears throat> off of his 
Tronish, BitTorrent, BS High Horse, and give the torch to somebody else and let it continue on its way. Again, Tron, probably a scam. Probably a scam. Somebody like this, <clears throat> who with his past, and now this little chicanery with the, the lightning torch. And, you know, speaking of, no matter how much of a shit coiner you are, you always end up coming back to freaking Bitcoin. Just like that idiot that said saying it's war. You know, it's like, God, just go do your own thing then. If you think it's BSV is all that great, go do it. This war, I don't know, this, this, it's just getting, it's getting silly. Um, Armin Van Bitcoin says, uh, again, with the, the whole Justin Sun thing, thank you at Justin Suntron for showing the world what a narcissist you are. The torch is a Bitcoin lightning experiment, not a trophy for you to market your plagiarized scam, you childish, selfish little brat. I concur. And uh, let's see. Next level trolling indeed. Yeah, this is somebody who's replying to Justin Sun <clears throat> about people bitching that Justin will not pass the torch. And this is... One of the thieves of the torch at Sir Wisdom 69, S E R W I S D O M 69 says, You did good, Justin. Don't listen to these people. We should all be positive about giving the torch and also spread awareness of Bitcoin. I don't even know what the hell this guy's trying to say. He's not giving the torch. Uh, anyway, so the torch is held up. Um, Let's see what Dennis Parker has to say. Jack Dorsey, lightning coming to square cap ash is when, not if. And he's talking, um, he's talking about a, uh, oh, well, he, he's talking about a Stephen Levera podcast where Stephen had both Jack Dorsey and Elizabeth Stark uh, of Lightning Labs on at the same time. Uh, in a in a dual interview, and they Elizabeth and Jack were pretty much riffing off of each other. Man, it was pretty hardcore listening to him. But um, one of the things that that came out was that Jack is like going, "Yeah, we're we're looking at uh, you know getting lightning uh, directly into uh, the Cash App." So look, you know, be on the lookout for that, and if it starts to slow down. Make sure you give Jack Dorsey on Twitter at Jack a piece of your mind to make sure that he remembers that he needs to do this thing. Last thing is, hey, Elon, to get the LN Trust Chain Torch from Eric, please prepare some basic information and take a photo of yourself holding your passport for KYC AML compliance reasons. If you so, if you do so, you become another torchbearer like Jack, Exelon, Fluffy Pony, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what there, he's, uh, Crypto Scam Central is the one who sent this tweet and is making fun of Eric Voorhees uh, in a picture because Eric Voorhees' shapeshift requires you to hold up a license and passport and take a pitch, full frontal picture of yourself and you get completely KYC'd AML, even though at the outset shapeshift was supposed to circumvent all that. Um, so, but you know, the, Eric Voorhees is kind of excited about, uh, it's, 
he talks about the torch, which is cool. We always have a chance to get these people back into the fold, y'all. We always have a chance to get these people back in the fold. All right, so that's going to do it for Torchlight for the day. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you today by Jose Conseco. That's right, Jose Conseco. Stay away from Bitcoin. It has the same structure as any pyramid scheme, but controlled by one individual. Wow, Jose. Um, For those of you who don't know, a while back, Jose Canseco released Canseco Coin. That's right. And it was funny because in the tweet where he announced his release of Canseco Coin, he said something to the the, uh, effect of, today is the release day of Canseco Coin, period. Any good ICO lawyers out there, contact me. You know, Jose, it just, it dawns on me that maybe before you were to issue or try or say that you were going to issue an illegal security, that maybe you should have had legal representation first. Not sure about that. I mean, far be it from me to tell the great Jose Canseco how to perform business, but it just seems like you might have wanted to, I don't know, at least have a lawyer on retainer who had some semblance of what it was that you were about to do. Anyway, nobody knows what the hell happened to Canseco coin. If it ever really came out, who knows? But yeah, this was like, this was like yesterday or the day before when Jose said to stay away from Bitcoin. And as you might imagine, He's getting pretty much sent, you know, I don't know, not is, I guess it's not too terrible. It's the normal immune response that, uh, that people like that get when they say, when they pull really stupid turds out of their butt and fling it at the audience worldwide. Anyway, so yeah, daily train wrecked, Jose Canseco. Terrible Joke Corner is again brought to you by Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat. Dim light bulbs or bright light bulbs? What's the difference? Nice. 
bad joke with a play on words, always welcome. Okay, I'm out. I hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Don't forget, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't care if Hallmark created the damn holiday. If you got a loved one in your life, use it as an opportunity to get them some sweets and tell them that you love them. Because we don't, we never know when a day will occur when we won't get the chance ever again to tell somebody that we love that we love them. It's important. It really is. Don't give a shit if Hallmark's making a freaking billion dollars on a single day. Uh, also, before I go, um, look into permaculture. If, if you're interested in design, and it doesn't matter what the hell you're designing, if you are at a point in your life or your career and or both that you realize that there's probably something to design in general, like the word design keeps coming up. You start find your, you find yourself thinking more and more about, well, before I start doing something, maybe I should have a freaking plan. Um, look into permaculture. Just just Google it for the easiest way. I mean, I paid ninety eight bucks for this textbook. You know, that's a lot of bread for a lot of people. I didn't need to. Um, I did because I got to the point where I had ingested just about every damn thing I could find. And everybody that ever wrote anything about permaculture kept saying, you've got to get permaculture designer's manual. So that's why, that's why I bought it. But before that, I spent four years digging through YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google searches, going a podcast. I started getting a lot of information from podcasts. And then I, I realized uh, that this was more than just about uh, hippies, you know, making mud huts out in the middle of freaking nowhere without electricity. It had absolutely nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with very, very, very good design principles that cut clean across almost every sector of industry that has anything to do with design. Having one thing perform two functions is an awesome way to design shit. Having two things that whose waste stream feeds one other thing is an awesome way to design things. Having, I mean, I hate, I, for, I've never seen the movie, but human caterpillar comes to mind. All right. I know it's freaking disgusting. That's why I refuse to watch that movie. I will never watch that movie or any of the other movies. I already know what half of what it's about. It's disgusting, but it's, if you think of it as a system where chicken poop can feed like black soldier fly larvae and then those larvae are positioned, the, the bin that those larvae are in are positioned to accept chicken poop without you having to move it. And that bin is positioned over like a, like the lip over a fish tank. So when the black fly larvae crawl out, they fall immediately into the water. You didn't do dick, but go feed chickens and you'll have to feed the fish a little bit, but I mean, think about it. The the fish or the, the chickens poop directly, you know, onto the ground in their cage, but there is no ground. And it goes right into this bin. 
these things, these like larvae eat it. And then when they decide that it's time to not be larvae anymore and go be an adult fly, they try to crawl out of the filth that they're mired in. And when they do that, you've got to, you've got them in something that directs them to a particular exit. And that exit just happens to be the mouth of, I don't know, big mouth like bass or trout or tilapia or something that's in a tank. And then that the fish poop, uh, in the water, and along with bacteria, the bacteria takes the ammonia coming out of the fish poop and turns it into nit- free available nitrogen that plants that are in the water can use, and the plants end up cleaning the water. If those plants are edible, then all of a sudden the chicken poop became food for the fish, whose poop became food for the plants that you eat, along with the chicken egg that you pulled out of the damn chicken before it pooped into the... If you can design stuff like this, if you get good at it, then, man, the world's the limit. Anyway, uh, pick up a designer's manual by Bill Mollison or um, go online and just search permaculture and it's like permaculture design. Because if you just do permaculture, you might end up like having to sort through a whole bunch of garbage. But if you want the design principles, look for like, you know, permaculture and then design principles in quotation marks, you know, some, something like that. Anyway, uh, hope you guys have a really good Valentine's Day, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.